98 Not Out, sponsored by Shepherd Neen, proud supporters of cricket in Essex. Ah, good evening, everyone, and welcome to 98 Not Out here on Phoenix 98 FM, if you are listening locally in the Brentwood and Billericay areas. And, of course, if you are listening via the internet as well, a good evening. How are you? And if you're listening on a podcast, wherever you're listening, hello. Hello, and don't forget the app as well. You can download, if you go to the App Store and look for Phoenix 98 FM, you can download the app, you can listen there as well. So, um, greetings from a very miserable, damp, dark November Evening in Brentwood. It's lovely we do. Well, we will have a couple of guests with us. Unfortunately, Debbie's still stuck in traffic, but a big hello to Mr. Aaron Beard. How Aaron, are how are you? Very well, thank you. Good, good, good. And Aaron's going to be, we're going to be talking more with Aaron later on, but he'll be joining in very, as and when. He's looking very healthy, isn't he? He's, he's looking really, really well. Makes a change. <laughs> Unlike us, he probably goes to the gym quite often and exercises and trains. <laughs> I'm guessing. Could be it. Could be it. Might even be a sunbed in there, I'm not sure. <laughs> but there you go. So uh, what else have we got on today's show? We're going to be rounding up all the local news, a couple of really big, interesting stories as well uh, coming your way. And obviously we'll be talking to Debbie about Pakistan and That's Aaron right. a bit later on. Uh, but let's start up with England then. So the second test gets underway in a few hours' time. Uh, Joss Butler is a doubt with a back injury picked up in the gym. See, I told you going to the gym's notice for you. <laughs> Have they actually said that he's ruled out as yet? They haven't ruled him out as yet. They've just said he's a doubt. And Ollie Pope will take over the gloves if he is out. Such a shame that Ben Folks isn't out there because he would have been an absolute shit. Well, they, they that, didn't go with the backup keeper because they took Ollie Pope as the backup keeper, didn't yeah. they? So yeah. um, it's like only a two test series. Um, it's just three days after the conclusion of the first test where obviously New Zealand thrashed us by an innings and 65 runs. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, England talked about digging in, playing longer test cricket. They'd done it for the first day. It was encouraging when we were, this time last week, when we were talking about their performance on the yeah. first day. And it looked a bit more like old-fashioned. 240-odd for four. It looked like a good old-fashioned test match innings, didn't it? Yeah. They dug in. And then even on the second day, we're going quite well. Um, and it started with a Ben Stokes rush of blood, didn't it? I mean, I'm not quite sure. He's well, we 91 were... not out, and he's charging Tim Southey. Mm. Not sure that was a shot to play on 91 we not were out. Dis- we were discussing, weren't we, on 98 not out, um, about what a total would have been, because I think at this time last week, England were about 340-something. Um... No, 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 they, they, we, played the, we, we played the first day, hadn't we? We were 240-odd for four, ready to go into the second day. So we were talking about... Right, and know, we were trying to work out what was 400, a 450, we were talking, would have been a good score. Exactly. I did say the pitch was doing a bit, and, it, you know, there was still a chance we could get taken apart. And to be honest, the pitch did do quite a bit. And, you know, England were all out for 350. They were 140-odd for four and could have been five or six down. Hmm. Um, but then I'm not quite sure what happened. Did they move pitches? Because for the next it's two days... It's a bit days, like in the it, summer when we had Australia one twenty-two for eight that time. It's um, For days three and four, it just done absolutely nothing until England went back out to bat. Yeah. <laughs> Which Roots, is always the way when you're in behind. Roots' captaincies come under um, criticism. Um, I'm not sure really that's fair. Um, as you say, the pitch did seem to um, have a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde character about it and people seem to be very very quick to jump on an England captain when uh, things aren't going their way I think the only thing you could possibly level at Joe Root and his captaincy is he does go very defensive very quickly even when he's on top sometimes they used to say that about Strauss and they said that about Cook I don't know I mean Strauss was Strauss for me was a bit more had a a bit more options in his field and he, he would have a you know he would try a few different things the one thing about Joe Root is he's still learning as a captain and sometimes when you are in that sort of balance of 
do we keep pushing or do we hold off a bit? He tends to say, I'm going to hold off a bit as opposed to keep pushing. He's not necessarily a big risk taker. Also, I mean, is there... I always think back to Mike Brearley as a sort of an example of not picking your most talented player to be the captain because it, it, it seems to be consistently affecting players' form. The problem is, who, who, who would you say on the county circuit is the best captains at the moment? Aaron, you, you, you obviously see people. Who, who are the best captains or the people you think, oh, that looks a bit different. Someone's done, tried something different here. Um, I'd obviously go for Essex captain Ryan Tenskarta because he's got a wealth of experience um, from around the country and when he has played international cricket for Netherlands. Um, but it's, it tends to be the most experienced, have the most ideas and have the most cool head. Because that's the main thing in the captain that you want is a cool head and to bring out their experience in every situation they have played in cricket in all around the world and even in different climates. Mm. It'd be, uh, I mean, uh, to me, there's not anyone obviously. The only other person who could be captain for me would be Jimmy Anderson. He's not really in the team. Mm. Yeah, or Broad, maybe. Stuart but, Broad doesn't strike me as a captain. He doesn't strike me as someone who can remain level-headed. He tends to... You know, when he's got his hot head spell and he's bowling well, he, he can bowl really well. But he doesn't strike me as a captain. Jimmy Anderson does, but obviously you look at—is it the future? So the question there is: Who in county cricket, who in and around or around that periphery, could be a captain of or that side? You, or do you bring Owen Morgan back into the Test side? Not, he can't play Test cricket. He's, he's not yeah, interested you don't in have playing him, you Test have him cricket. You have him as a captain. You don't have him as a. But he's not interested in playing Test cricket. He doesn't want to play cricket for five days his back won't allow it he knows what he can and can't do maybe in years to come when Rory Burns cements his place at top order a little bit longer um, he'd done very well for Surrey when he was captain there so hopefully in in years to come that could be our our option might well be might well be indeed Um, so this this test match um, and indeed the one that happens so it's a two test series it doesn't form part of the brand new shiny ICC World Test Championship. So I think this series was already planned prior to yeah. the planning of the test, the World Test Series, wasn't That's it? That's right, yeah. So Because people have asked, why hasn't this been included when the India-Bangladesh and the Australia-Pakistan series are both included and they're going on at the same time? But you're right, um, it, was, it was planned before that. And I think there's a slight anomaly that because this is an away series for England, it would create an imbalance going forward. So... As far as England are concerned, this one doesn't count, but going forward, they, they do start to count. I mean, it's a great idea, the whole World Test Championship, but scheduling looks to be a bit um, It's always going to be difficult, though, to do that, isn't it, to sort that one out? Yeah. It, um, you've got to have the X amount of Test matches at home, X amount of Test matches away over an X amount of period of time. You've got to have the balance of playing each person home and away. I mean, even Virat Kohli's been uh, questioning it in... Uh, various interviews with uh, with the media so I think it probably still needs a little bit of uh, you know fine tuning you've got to thank one say. of our listeners who was, uh, who yeah. was out there um, big thanks to Rob Kemble um, who's a 98 not out listener who was giving us uh, making us all feel quite jealous actually that while we're here shivering and huddling by the fire he was out there in uh, uh, Mount Manganui reclining um, on the uh, uh, well, they have banks. So they don't even have banks of seats today. So he was there on his picnic blanket with his cooler box. Looks a great place to watch cricket, didn't it? Yeah, that was yeah. that was a place to have a beer and watch cricket if ever was. That's what was. he was doing and sending his videos. But actually, it was actually quite nice to see that. So thanks, Rob. We appreciate that. Now, uh, I'm not sure if he's here tonight or if he's on his way back. But uh, anyway, as good as the Test match was, it did finish with a bit of a sour taste in one's mouth. Geoffrey Archer. Joffre Archer uh, said that he received some racist abuse. It was only from one individual, um, questioning where he was from, etc. Um, 
It's disappointing. It's not the first time that's happened to Jofra. Um, it's a bit surprising it happens in New Zealand because I think it's one of the things that New Zealand do sort of pride themselves yeah, on. They are yeah. very, you know, the, the sort of acceptance of the Maori, the multiracial and stuff like that. Um, Have you played down in New Zealand? I haven't yet. That's one place I would love to go and play um, in the wintertime in England. But um, people like Neil Wagner that come over and play for Essex, that we we find out what they're like and they're amazing people and mm. very generous and kind. I can never imagine... A new, a new, anyone from New Zealand racially abusing one of yeah, I think it, I think you're right. I think this is a one-off. Um, well, it, it's strange because I think the person then got in contact with him via Instagram. I don't know whether it's not been clear whether it was to apologise or give him more abuse, but they seem <laughs> to know who it is, and hopefully it will be dealt with. And I'm, I'm sure it will be dealt with um, severely. I think so. I think so. And and quite rightly day, too. TV cameras and CCTV should yeah. be quite. Not acceptable at all. Uh, side note is we do send our condolences to Chris Silverwood and his family. Chris is returning home after the first day of the test for a family bereavement. So, a bit of sad news there. But it, gives, it, it is something England have talked about. I know it's not come about the way they probably wanted it, but they have talked about other coaches taking the side on at times. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see the dynamic of what goes on. I'm, I know Chris wouldn't have wanted to go, but he's obviously of course like that. family circumstances and stuff like that. Um, other test news, Australia beat Pakistan and India beat Bangladesh, both by an innings victory too. There's a sequence for me, isn't there? The last six test matches that have gone on, including the England-New Zealand one, all the results have been um, victories by an innings plus. I think it's the first time in test match history yeah. as well, isn't it? Yeah. So it, it just goes to show that you know home advantage... And I'm not saying you're preparing home advantage wickets because that's not at all but home advantage and playing at home it, it does make a difference it, it just shows how difficult travelling becomes do you think also on the back of a World Cup and a heavy one day um, yeah. season that it takes a little bit of time to adjust and, and, and all the players when it was a World Cup is it the case that um, all of these teams and players um, well, uh, are struggling to adjust back to patient Red Bull cricket. The focus for everyone will be the T20 World Cup. That's the next big thing, is the mm. T20 World Cup in uh, November next year. So that's where most of the big countries will be looking at going towards, and that's where their focus will be. And there's a lot of T20 cricket coming up. There's not as much test cricket, and there's not much 150-over cricket as you would expect. There's one test coming up at the moment, though, isn't there? There West is. Indies against Afghanistan, and our... Our man, Big Leader, rack. leader, leader. Big Rack is uh, exactly, <laughs> isn't he? Seven, seven in the first innings, three in the second innings. Um, I think Afghanistan lead West Indies by 19 runs, so they've broken that sequence of uh, sides losing by an innings defeat. But uh, <coughs> uh, yeah. West Indies looking to head for a win there. But he's a you, unit we like, Rakeem. For those of you who don't know, Rakeem Cornwall, um, how would you describe him in terms? I mean, we're sat here, we've got a professional cricketer, a professional athlete sat next to us. He's here in his track suit, he's looking tanned, healthy, you know. I think we could get two of Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> At least two, if not what more. Is he, is he 22 stone or something like that? 23, 24 stone, something like that. He's a big unit, he's isn't he? He's a big old boy. But can he bowl? I mean, he's playing in NFL, couldn't he? Can catch a first slip as well. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. Got a pair of hands on him, hasn't he's he? He's like, um, do you remember Dwayne Dwayne Lovrock. Dwayne Lovrock, wasn't it? Lede, Lede, Dwayne, no, Dwayne Lovrock, was it? Dwayne Lejejo was the right. Dwayne something or other, yeah. Dwayne. He, For he Bermuda, took that, took that one-handed catch and the world shook. Literally, <laughs> the world shook. And do you know what? Someone photoshopped my head onto that, <laughs> and people believed it. I mean, what would they believe? It? I mean, how, I don't look anything like that. What are you talking about? So, um, 
Chris Gow has spoken out that he doesn't get much respect and he feels he, if he fouls, he gets solely blamed for team failures. Now, the last two, two T20 teams on, I think his record is one none lost 11. Uh, so he's not on a great run of form. He's not doing great inside. He's a platinum, he's a marquee player who gets paid all the money. I'm not, I'm not sure he's got a I'm great... A bit, I'm a big fan of Chris Gow. I've been for a long time and, um, and what he's done for cricket over the last 10, 15 years, you know, T20 and all of this kind of um, white ball revolution. He's been at the kind of centre of it. And you think back to the early T20 World Cups happened. I'll never forget being at the Oval when uh, Brett Lee was coming in for the pavilion end and Gail was just smacking him for six after six over the top of yeah. that stand at the Oval. But, I mean, Chris... You're 40, mate. 41, isn't he? 41? 40, 40, he's 40. just turned yeah, 40. 40, just turned 40. I know that because he's been pasting it all over Instagram. Yeah. He's been having parties in Jamaica, Barbados, Guyana, you know, New it, York. You've got to face facts. He's, uh, time waits for no man. And, uh, you know, you, you do look at, you know, I think Tendo's 40 next year, isn't he? And year, Darren yeah. Stevens 42. And you look at the season, Darren Stevens. Seasons he's just had, but time, time waits for no man. It gets harder and harder and harder. Uh, congratulations to the Maratha Arabians who beat Deccan Gladiators in the T10 final. Well, we've got an interest here, haven't we? Yeah, Dan Lawrence was uh, playing for Deccan. He only scored four, unfortunately, as Deccan struggled to 87 for eight. And the Arabians won easily by eight wickets, getting over the line with 2.4 overs to spare. Um, a bit of English news in that one. George Garton was named bowler of the tournament in that as well. So. Yeah. Um, you know they've done well the English boys you spoken to Dan about this while you've been out there um, I spoke to him a, a bit at the start of the tournament uh, but um, his schedule was so busy while he was out there so he didn't actually get much time off are you surprised to see his progress in T20 like this no he's super super talented in, in all formats but especially 2020 cricket where he he's got every skill in the book he can score 360 he can bowl he can field very well um, I think that's where uh, if, if he does play for England that's could be the yeah. first um, format that he'll play. Yeah, totally agree. Now, um, something that came to my attention or our attention just over the last week, uh, and, and it's quite a big local story that's emerging. Um, the HECL, Hearts and Essex Cricket League, or HECL, um, has been dissolved. Um, it's a statement appeared on their website stating the following. After 26 years, tonight's AGM saw the remaining member clubs of the Hearts and Essex Cricket League vote unanimously in favour of the resolution to dissolve the league and authorise the management committee to discharge all remaining debts and liabilities of the league and to donate any remaining assets, funds to a charity or charities nominated by the last management committee in accordance with section 15 of the HECL constitution. This has been a tumultuous year for the league that has built a reputation for fair play, inclusivity and friendship. A thanks must go to all the volunteers that have served on the League Management Committee since the league's inception and to those that have given their name in countless other ways to ensure that cricket could be enjoyed in the right spirit. We'd also like to thank representatives from both Hertfordshire and Essex Cricket who have offered their support and counsel over the years to all of our sponsors and for their financial support. The site will remain online on present uh, and the new details of what's going on. Um, They'd like to wish all the clubs and players every success as they move on to pastures new and hope the, the club cricket continues to prosper on the borders of Hertfordshire and Essex. Um, you played in that I've league. played in the Hearts and Essex Cricket League. I played for Thaden Boys in it. Um, and I managed to catch up with an old buddy of mine. His name's Warren Hyde. Uh, and he'll explain all what he does and everything because he was on the uh, Heckle Committee as well. Um, have a little listen to this because this is amazing. 
So following some news that broke this week, in the last week or so, um, HECL Cricket League has um, disbanded. Uh, I'm pleased to say joining us on the line is Warren Hyde, who is with Thaden Boys Cricket Club as the membership secretary, but also serves as the treasury secretary of the HECL League. Uh, Warren, how are you? Yeah, very well, Brett. Long time no here. Indeed. Warren, can you give us a sort of brief update as to what's gone on with the league? So, um, the heckle was uh, formally disbanded um, in the last couple of weeks. You know, the story of that probably goes back a, uh, a good couple of years, where t- talking about regionalisation, um, where a number of the uh, um, uh, boards have been um, talking to the heckle and, and, and all leagues about um, uh, seeing if it'll be feasible to, to regionalise, and um, because people are less inclined to travel nowadays. So we've, we as a committee have been listening to that and sent out a number of surveys to, uh, to our members. Um, and uh, the, the responses have been really muted over the last couple of years, um, rarely getting more than a, you know, a handful of replies, usually the same clubs, and people really weren't that interested. However, you know, in the last year or so, um, there was uh, one particular proposal that came through um, earlier this year that was um, uh, put to our membership, which was um, having a, uh, a, a league structure. So at the moment, or, or earlier in the year, we had five divisions, and a league structure that would actually separate the north from the south. Uh, there'll be two divisions in the north and three divisions in the south no prem um, and never the twain shall meet which as a committee member I was a little bit uncomfortable about but uh, um, I, I thought that it wouldn't even really get passed so it went to uh, went to the AGM earlier in the year and uh, it was a very close call actually it was actually um, uh, you know the same number of member clubs voting for it as, as against it and uh, the, the chairman at the time uh, Paul Waters erred on uh, declining the proposal and after that I think it really got clubs thinking about regionalisation and where the where the heckle should go. So what but happened from there? I mean, yeah, obviously so really you know we were then that was a spring meeting and uh, you know the, the cricket took over everyone's uh, uh, lives as it does and um, really didn't hear much uh, at a committee level um, all, all throughout the season um, and really it wasn't until the, uh, the latter stages where murmurings were coming out at a, uh, about a possible uh, breakaway league and uh, we had a committee meeting the heckle um, uh, what's it in uh, early September and um, it, it was a little bit of a, an eye-opener for, for a number of clubs at the meeting uh, the chairman uh, resigned uh, stating that a uh, uh, conflict of interest and that uh, the new breakaway league um, was a, a big possibility, and which was a little bit of a shock. Uh, we, we, we didn't really, as a committee, uh, see it as much of a, to use the word threat, but um, a proposition. Um, but obviously behind the scenes, a number of uh, vocal uh, clubs have got together and uh, um, wheels have been put in motion. That, that's what happened in about September time. And then moving forward, uh, thing, things really escalated and snowballed very, very quickly. There were meetings called for this breakaway league. A um, number of clubs joined uh, an open forum, I understand. 
my club wasn't invited. What was stated was that um, you know they wanted a very very local league uh, to the Bishop Stortford area. The main uh, person uh, involved in in organising this, a uh, um, uh, Mr. Brown from uh, Stansted Hall, um, was actively engaged in in excluding uh, three particular clubs: um, Ilford Catholic, South Loughton and uh, Three Caps, which are from the south of the region, and uh, obviously they were not invited. The, 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 the main background to, to, to that, you'd really have to speak to David Brown because um, you know, my club was not uh, invited as, a, as one of the southern clubs uh, in the area. So, although obviously you're not invited to the initial meeting, have you now since been invited to join this new league, or are you in yeah. limbo? Yeah, so they, they want it as, a, as an open league. Um, you know, we as a, as a committee at, uh, um, uh, at our EG, we called an EGM uh, once, once we heard that things were, were afoot uh, with this breakaway league, and we put a proposal as a committee, the Heckle, um, about a top tier, uh, a premier uh, division, as well as a regionalisation structure uh, underneath. We thought... Uh, cover off their, their, their concerns. However, at, the, at this meeting, uh, at this EGM, uh, I think it was in uh, very early October, it was very well supported by, by the member clubs, but the, but the general feeling was that they did not want this regionalisation. They wanted the southernmost clubs to leave, to resign, um, to be thrown out, but that was not uh, um, as a committee, you, you can't throw out clubs with, with you know, impeccable records. You know, the, these clubs uh, have been members of the of the league, as has my club for the best part of 20 years. You know, they have no disciplinary issues. They've got uh, reasonable grounds. They've got uh, bars. Uh, they've got. Um, I, I can talk about South Loughton have, have a great cult set up. Uh, you can't. You can't just say, well, we don't want. To those clubs in the league, you have you have to accept everyone for what they what they are. Even though they they had probably more travelling down to the south than, than you know local Hertfordshire or, or Bishop Stortford clubs at the, at the league uh, at the EGM. It, it was quite vocal that uh, um, th this league strong proposal. Um, uh, we had a letter saying that 30 clubs were were interested in leaving. And uh, we left it, the, the EGM saying, well, if you want to do uh, this new league, then, you know, member clubs will have to resign from the heckle and you'll have to move forward on your, on your own. Uh, we gave them a deadline, uh, which I think, uh, memory serves, was the uh, 31st of October. And by the 31st of October, we received a notification from all but a handful of clubs um, were resigning and, and joining this breakaway league. Um, it was all from my point of view very very sad uh, but uh, um, you know as, as one door closes another door opens and for my club um, we looked at uh, other options and um, together with uh, South Loughton, Ilford Catholics and Three Caps we applied to join the T Ripon uh, Mid-Essex League uh, which is 13 divisions um, very well run very well respected league and at their AGM um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were accepted together with a number of other clubs into, uh, into that league. So for, for us and uh, those clubs in the, in the south, uh, we, we were thrilled to accept uh, that invitation into the Mid-Essex.
So it's good news that you've all at least got another league to go to. Is it just the geographical thing, this? I mean, it, it seems very, very bizarre that sides that have been playing for 20 years, this has suddenly come up. Well, I think it's a bit, bit bizarre uh, as well. I can only I can only speculate, but, you know, th these clubs are well run. Uh, they've got great committees. South Loughton, I know, have a really big cult section. You know, they do have probably not private grounds, or two of those three don't have private grounds. But there again, you know, uh, um, clubs in the, in the north, some of those don't have bars or, or uh, cult sections and, and that. I, I, I don't know, Brett. I, I really don't know. You know, the best thing is to talk to, to those clubs and, and, uh, um, and, and Mr. Brown from, from, from Stansted Hall and, and, and find out from them. But we thought at Foden Boys it was quite bizarre. And, you know, we have quite an affinity with those clubs in, in the south and we'll, would be very uncomfortable in joining uh, uh, this breakaway league. And we made our decision uh, on that basis. And like I said, as one door shuts, another one door opens. Um, you know, we are really looking forward to uh, joining the Mid-Essex League and uh, playing our cricket. Warren, what can I say? Thank you very much for your time and making that a bit clearer for us. Okay, my pleasure, Brett. So, well, it's, it's quite disturbing, isn't it? it, it it's, I just don't get um, I don't get it. Now, hopefully, we'll speak to the, more, the other protagonists. Hopefully, we'll speak to some more people. Um, if you do want to read up more on it, there's an excellent piece on Wisdom Cricket Monthly written by Rich Evans on this matter. Um, but hopefully, over the next few weeks, we'll speak to a few more people. But it's been such a wonderful, it was such a really good league to play in. And it's like it's a North v South Southern device touch Game of Thrones, isn't it? The, the question that I just ask about this, and and in you know being involved with cricket, and you know in this week there's been a lot of league meetings and a lot of correspondence. We've got our AGM tomorrow night at Billericay, which reminds me I must do my speech. Um, <laughs> um, but there's a lot of talk, and generally within the game of the future and progressing and growing the game. And when I look at this, and, and I'm ready to be corrected, but. A lot of these clubs that are doing this breakaway thing don't have cold sections, they don't have all-stars. And we are, anyone involved in cricket, it's pretty clear that all-stars, Colts upwards, is where it has to be. So, I mean, it's hard to know exactly, but there's obviously a number of these sides are much smaller, village, green, single teams clubs a lot of them aren't ecb club marked or accredited mm. very few have cult sides it is very traditional village green cricket they are very small clubs quite often some have got nice facilities some are very average facilities they are in general very lovely places to yeah, play yeah, cricket sure. i've played a lot a lot of them are like little village greens and things like that um, but no it's, I, I don't think it's very progressive myself at all i get that you you know they're gonna not enjoy playing against sides that are much better than them and, and get beat the idea was, I think the ECB and many of the cricket boards have been talking about regionalisation of cricket. So you have one Premier League where the best teams play each other, who want yep. to play each other. And then below that, you have more regional leagues. So there's a North Division, a South Division or an East and a West Division, depending where you are. And there are also plenty of touring teams. If you, know, if you don't want to play competitive, aggressive cricket... There are plenty, and, and I can think of two or three at the top of my head in, in this area. Well, hopefully we'll get on to get onto them over the next couple of weeks and they'll talk to us. But, you know, from, from what I can see of the new league, there are going to be no hard and, hard and fast rules, no committees, uh, no set playing times. You can play games when you want to play games. It, it's, it seems very strange. Yeah? And hopefully um, 
Mr. Brown from Stansted Hall uh, and Elsenham. Hopefully we'll catch up with him over the next couple of weeks. I'll try and get hold of Andrew yeah. Shields from South Loughton as well, who's been heavily involved. And, and hopefully we'll start getting a bit more depth into it. But it, it does seem a lot of, a chance for a lot of young players who've played, at, you know, to come through cricket. Is suddenly we, we could lose a lot. They've already lost at quite Ooh. a few clubs from in and around the areas yeah. where clubs have folded. This could be disastrous for a lot of clubs. That's but exactly. We should point out at this stage we have been joined by Debbie Knight, who's Hi, Debbie. worked her way through the traffic and got here. Disastrous traffic on the A12. So some travel update for you. There's a lorry broken down. Uh. Avoid it. So I'll tell you what, Sue, we'll get you settled in. Let's get a bit of music. Uh, this young lady was 80 this week. Unbelievable. So, uh, happy birthday to her. We'll get a bit of music and we'll chat to our guests.
See, people think we just chat in between the songs, but actually we're singing along karaoke style. Oh, Debbie was throwing some shapes as well. That's good. <laughs> not to that, I wasn't. <laughs> no, not, not indeed. So uh, there you go. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, we better, we better, um, we better do this, otherwise I get told off, don't I? What? You know what I mean? Uh, I've actually forgot what we were doing. Oh, I know. I remember what we were doing now. We do. We have to do this, yes, bit, don't we? Yes. 98 Not Out, sponsored by Shepherd Neem, proud supporters of cricket in Essex. We can't forget our sponsors. Thank you very much, Shepard Neem. <laughs> we're very nearly, grateful to Shepard I nearly Neem. did. I nearly did. We were all so excited singing along. I nearly did. So, we, as I said earlier, we are now joined by Debbie Knight as well. Debbie of 365 Sporting Days. Uh, Debbie has an excellent blog on cricket and rugby. Uh, well worth a follow if yeah, you are already. If you haven't, go and search for it. Go and search for 365 Sporting Days. It's really, really... And, uh, um, beautiful photographs and uh, some really good writing on there as well, both on cricket and uh, uh, on rugby as well. So um, take a look. Now, right. Debs, you, uh, well, over, you over to you for this bit. And some photos of Aaron too you'll find there. Very good. Oh, Absolutely. we were just talking about photos. What sort of photos? <laughs> no. <laughs> Purely of him playing cricket, as he well knows. Of course. Yes, indeed. So what we're we talking the season, we're talking to Aaron about his we, how we, his time has gone. So we, we was obviously chatting earlier. So obviously Aaron, for those that don't, Aaron ended up playing the back end of the season, including the T20 games and the final, which in fairness, you probably wasn't expecting. No, not the start of the year. Um, I worked really hard last winter when I spent five months in Australia in Manly, which was an amazing experience and come back look, with a lot of things that I've learned and I'm going to take into hopefully a long career that I could possibly have. But that um, you've I'll had a long struggle to get here, haven't you, with injury yeah. and all the rest of it? It's yeah. not been easy. Yeah, my first operation set me back probably eighteen months playing one game in that eighteen months when I was fifteen. Um, then had a reoccurrence and had that again when I was seventeen, and then from there, touch wood that I haven't had anything with my back since. So people know what was the injury? It was a double stress fracture to my lower back. <sighs> so you didn't muck about. You didn't want a single one. You had to have the double <laughs> one, didn't you? Had to go double, yeah. Well done you for keeping going, because I mean, even at that young age, you know, your head could easily drop and you could think that this is not for me. And, you know, so uh, what were the things that you found that kept your, your focus and your ambition in place? The love of the game, really. Um, I've always loved playing cricket. also loved playing football at that age. Um, but I made a decision to stop playing football to pursue my career that I've, I dreamt about when I was younger in cricket and them dreams keep it alive when you are going through them tough times and injuries are the worst part of, of, of being a sportsman so they're the ones that keep you going and have um, success like we did this year with doing a double. It's incredible. What was it like finals day? I mean I was there and going mad in the crowd but what was it actually like stood there out in the middle under the lights? I'm glad that we could watch it back because it was on Sky because it was just such a big blur. Um, running on, trying to grab Harmy after he hit them winning runs was very tough. <laughs> it wasn't easy. <laughs> it wasn't easy, but we managed to get hold of him. And Did you know he could run that fast? We've never seen him run that fast before, <laughs> but now we do. We're going to keep him to that. Um, but it was an amazing, amazing day. Um, to, win, to win the semi-final to start with was an incredible achievement for us being the underdogs, being bottom of the group with two games to go and then <coughs> coming out to being the, the winners of the final against Worcester, which was also a very entertaining game that, we, that I was lucky to play in and it was an amazing atmosphere at Edgebaston. Nidge did well, didn't he? Did, yeah, coming into, 
Coming into the finals day, him, um, Sam Cook playing in the final, Jamie Porter, to play your first couple of games and some of your first games in the final is obviously a, a, a daunting thing to do, but that's what we train for and that's why we do the hard work and hard graft to make sure we're ready for them call-ups and them occasions. Oh. So I, so I actually first had a really good chat with you, Jamie, at Chelmsford a few seasons ago. Yeah. Do you remember? And I went off to watch some club cricket um, and actually Aaron wasn't playing. So he talks about his enthusiasm about the game. He wasn't playing, but he was actually there and he was running water and he was doing whatever was needed off the field. So it's no surprise to me actually to see that you're, you're staying well involved. And I'm so glad to see that you're succeeding. Thank you. Yeah. And actually, for, so I'm quite interested. How did it, you come to go to Manly? Um, an ex um, Essex player, Jason Gallion, went out there when he was sort of a similar age to me and, Loved that place, fell in love with it just like I did. Um, so he put me in contact with the main chairman and the head of cricket out there and I was lucky enough to, to play at that amazing place. So do, do the club do get involved with that for you um, as well? If, if, they, if you need them to, but it's mainly put on your where you want to go, where you think you're going to learn best. Because it's, it's all on, it's a responsibility for you whether how much hard work you want to put in or if you're going to treat it like a holiday, which not many people do, thankfully. But they, if, if they need their help, then they will be there. But if not, then it's all so, solely down to you. How much cricket did you play out there and how, how's it structured? Um, well, luckily, out there I had um, Aaron Nigel with me, that we just mentioned, and young Will Butterman, who every Wednesday and Friday we'd done a, a session together. And then the Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'd have club training and I'd play normally on a Saturday and Sunday. So it was pretty full on, which, which is what I needed um, to get the overs under my belt and to get the consistency and to get back in game rhythm, ready to come back and play for Essex. You all play for club cricket. I think Essex are really good at this, at making sure that players, especially the young players, are still involved with their clubs. Um, and I've seen you turning up for Chelmsford, I've seen Will at Brentwood, we got Paul Walter. Can he stop growing, by the way? Because every time I see him, he's another <laughs> inch tall. It's he's going to be eight foot soon. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a really good thing. And, and you know, I, I suppose for you guys, it keeps you kind of feet on the ground a little bit going back. Um, it's where you've grown up and where you've learnt your trade. Um, Chelmsford Group Club for me is a place that I'll always be, be home for me. Um, I love playing there. I love being part there. Like Debbie said, when I don't play, I always try and get down there and help out where I can, whether it's warm-ups, whether it's doing social events, whether it's coaching the youngsters in the nets while the first team right there playing and the youngsters looking at them as, as role models. So all of the Essex team, so we've probably got eight or nine of our first team players that have come through the system, That's through right, the Essex yeah. system, which is an incredible accolade to have, um, to be double winners again in county championship two and three years. Don't, and, and I think it's a great example to hold up to other counties that have, you know, everyone's free to do their own thing, but other counties that have bought players in internationally or paid for star names to try and achieve success. As you have done it, I mean, that's the league twice in three seasons. The first team ever to do the double with a squad of homegrown, home-nurtured players, obviously one exception, but I mean, and also, I mean, God, the king of the heap. Two, maybe. Mr. Mr. Alistair Cook, you know, who's, who's <laughs> a Malden boy, still has very close links with Malden. Yeah. Um, and he, I think, is very similar to the rest of, of, of all of you, 
that still maintain links with the clubs that haven't got too big or, or too egotistical to not go back and help out and forget your roots and whatever else. And I think it really shows, it really does. He's an idol for many of us. The way he goes about his business, the way he goes off the field to help as many people as he can with his tight, busy schedule that he would have being such a big name and being such a legend of the game. No, he's, he's good, he's good. So some, something I noticed, um, or I noticed has changed over the years at Essex, um, it, it, in a sense, is team spirit. I mean, Essex has always had a decent team spirit. The guys have always got on well. But over the last few years, you guys just seem to think you can win any game from everywhere, don't you? From whatever position you're in, you, you think you're going to go on and win. That is our mentality. Um, if we're in a tough situation, there'll never be anyone left out. We go into the team, we finish as a team, win or lose. Um, but the way, way we train is to, to go into any game, any situation, being confident in the way we are. And that's the way we are. We're, we're basically one big family, which is an amazing place to I be in. I think that's right, because I mean, it extends beyond the players, doesn't it? I th and from what I see that, you know, the Essex family is not just the first 11 or whatever else. It's the other teams, it's the other. But it's also all the staff that put in all this hard work behind the scenes at Essex. You know, and the, the, there's the committee, there's the chairman and obviously the people like that. But there are so many people that are, you know, you'll see them on match days with their club ties and badges running around and sorting things out, walkie-talkies and all the rest of it. But you're all kind of, you know, they're not treated as something different because they're not players. Um, all of you together. And I just think that goes a long way in, uh, in nurturing success. Yeah, it's, well, our motto is one team, one dream. And that's... The one team is the whole of the Essex County Cricket Club. It's not just the players. Exactly. Which is an amazing place to be. And I hope that every m member, every fan that comes into the ground to watch us is entertained. Lo loves being there. Although it is a small ground, it's, it is home for us. And that's where, that's where we love playing. Right. Now, the fixtures are out for the 2020 season. Not the T20 season. The year 2020. Um, now, going through these, it seems there's a lot of good news to be had from this. Uh, Debbie, you've been having a look. What are, you, what are your I thoughts? I have been. I put an article out actually with the, an outline of the season um, and got lots of positive feedback. Dare I mention the terrible the words, the hundred? Yeah. Personally speaking, I'm getting really fed up with the negativity around cricket that at the moment. Go. Once it starts, it will go, I'm telling you. You know, so so I put out that we've got lots of weekend games. Yep. One of the responses I've seen back, oh, well, I do this and that at weekends. I'm not very happy with that. <laughs> I am beginning to wonder whether cricket fans are the biggest moaners in sport, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, I don't know, the West Ham fans. West Ham fans. <laughs> Listen to the Orient Hour afterwards. Yeah, the Orient Hour following us. They're going to give you a run for your money on well, that one. West, West, West Ham fans do have quite a lot to moan about, let's be honest. Um, but I'm, I'm thrilled with the fixture list. I think it's fantastic. I'm, I am excited by the 100. Um, I normally watch a lot of international cricket. Next summer, I'm not going to. I am going to watch a few Pakistan matches. Um, it was there my second international team. That's right. But I'm going to stick. I'm going to watch a lot more Essex, and I'm actually really looking forward to it. I'm excited for the season. The thing I put out that I've been talking to some of the younger guys and the Colts at Billericay just to try and get a feel for what they were thinking. And, and without exception, without exception, all these youngsters are... So excited about the 100. And it's not just the fact that it's new kits and branding and big stars, but I had a 14-year-old saying to me about tactics, what this brings in. Mm. The fact that you can have a bowler that might bowl, if he's allowed a, a quota of 25 balls, he could bowl 20, oh, 20. on the, if he's in, yeah. And this thing of batsmen when they cross. 
So if you're, you know, you've crossed and they're given out, the new batsman doesn't, doesn't face. Doesn't yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think there's a lot of nuances that people aren't picking up, but it's interesting the kids are doing, you know. It's brilliant. This. I think Aaron, so. Sorry, we've got a professional here, Aaron. What, what, what's been going on with it? You know, obviously, there's some guys have been picked up, some haven't. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the general sort of chit chat in and around? Um, f- for a club like Essex and the the smaller clubs in in the in the ladder, it's a little bit up and down with what we've spoken about because the the bigger clubs, the bigger grounds where they're playing at are a lot of them players are have been picked for them grounds. So for us. Winning the champ, uh, winning the 2020, and we've got three players picked out. Mm. There's a few of our players that are seriously talented that haven't been picked, unfortunately. But um, it's very the hundred ball in itself is really exciting, and everyone else is really excited to see what it has in store. Is there a danger that for the younger lads coming through now at Essex, they'll look at the money in the hundred, they'll look at the money for playing T20, and they're not going to want to play red ball cricket? Um, I'd say no. We love playing Rebel Cricket at Essex. That's the one we always want to win first up. Um, start of the season, we talk about how we're going to win a championship and everyone's in on that one. So I don't think the money's going to come into it. Um, there might be a few more people practising a bit more white ball cricket now to try and get a go in the 100 ball, but I don't think that's going to affect our, our championship side. And what's actually going on with the 50 over competition? I know it's been announced it'll take the same part of the 100. Have you announced, is it first class or has it been downgraded? Has anyone actually confirmed this yet? Um, there was a rumour that it wasn't going to be first class, but I believe that it is going to still be first class, which is exciting for the players that haven't been picked up in the 100 ball because it's a great opportunity to showcase talents and play with people such as like Alistair Cook that haven't been picked up that could still play in that, that 50 over competition. Be, but also that with those that haven't been picked yet in the 100 there are still chances of being drafted yeah. because yeah, yeah. there's going to be international players away and there's going to be other people not available so Chris if, you, if you're doing well in that well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you're doing well you you actually got a chance of getting picked especially if you do well in the T20 I think sides can still select one more player who've played well in the T20 or something isn't yeah, it? They can, yeah. It's one wild card for every side um that would be on the basic salary. So, yeah, as you say, there could be people injury, uh, injuries at the start of the season. There could be international call-ups. There could be anything. So a lot of people should be on, on call. Should be good. Debbie, I've got to ask you a question because we, we covered this last week and we, you'll know far more than us. Pakistan gave a debut to a young bowler. To Nazim Shah. Nazim yes. Shah. Tell us, tell us all about it. 16-year-old. Um... Sorry, one second. Aaron, could you imagine playing test cricket at 16? <laughs> I, can imagine, I can't even imagine playing Essex, let alone... <laughs> <laughs> he, he actually he played in a warm-up game, I think the day after his mother died, which Ooh. is incredible, without anything else. Um, but he made his debut against Australia. Um, I did type down. He bowled 20 overs, I believe. Um, took... Where is he? Uh, took one for 68. But actually, in his first over... I think every ball he bowled was over 147 kilometres an hour. Quite incredible. I think he did take a key wicket, but to a no ball, unfortunately. I think that might have been Warner. Um, (sighs) So uh, Pakistan just have a habit of producing incredible bowlers. Uh, They made a few mistakes, I think, with their pick for the first test. They included Imran Khan as a bowler and left out Mohamed Abbas which is amazing. He really is one of their best 
test bowlers. And I think Azar has suggested today that actually he'll be playing this evening. Um, but of all the teams, the three away teams all lost by an innings and. Yeah. So Bangladesh, De- Bangladesh lost by an innings and 46 runs. England lost by an innings and 65 runs. And Pakistan did the best of all. They lost by an innings and only five runs. So, <laughs> it's an amazing run of sequences, though, isn't it? It was, so, yeah. So the last six tests have been decided by an innings. And, uh, but, uh, but good news, though, is that test cricket is actually returning to Pakistan, isn't it, this year? It is, yes. Yeah, Sri Lanka are visiting, which is fantastic, actually. It really is. And, and I'm, I'm hoping to go, actually, in 2021. And I'll go and watch the PSL if there's nothing else there. But yeah. they're actually, um, I believe they're giving incentives on the tickets as well to make sure that the stave gyms are full. Um, yeah, it is. Giving it to school children. It's fantastic Take for them. Take West Indies. Talk, talking of PSL and things like that, Aaron, is that sort of something that would interest you going to play sort of T10 League PSL? and? Yeah, definitely in years to come. Um, got a long way to go in my development in white ball cricket. Um, having a having a sight on how to how first class cricket in and 2020 cricket works this year was the first time I played was good for my moving on in my career um, look, looking at them sort of tournaments that I would do when I play in the years to come and you can have a you have a battle you want to be pushing the boys next year if everyone's fit you'll uh, yeah. you'll be wanting to push them to get in that side won't you definitely yeah I'm going to try and win it hard again this year we, we've had one week in training at the moment um, the boys are fit at the moment well more fit than we've ever been I reckon so we're going to push hard again next year and see see who's who's there it should be good, and obviously F6 haven't really announced any new signings yet, only Ravi going, so there is some potential in and around, isn't there? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, sure what, uh, I'm not too sure what is going on with uh, i.e. the contracts and the, the new signings, so it'll be exciting to start of the year and, and see, see what happens. In county news, I, I, I read yesterday that um, Middlesex have awarded Owen Morgan a benefit year in 2020, which I kind of had the impression that benefit years were sort of dying out. I mean, we haven't had one at Essex since 2015. They're now very well organised one, though. That was, was superb for Ravi. Yeah. You did well there, Dave. They, <laughs> they are now more heavily taxed than yeah, exactly. they ever have been. I would like to think Owen Morgan would probably be donating quite a chunk of what he raises to charity, I would think. I mean, I'm not sure. Owen's done very well out of cricket and continues to do so. I'm not sure he necessarily needs it. I'd hope he do, does similar well, to what Cookie done. Ravi and Cookie did that, yeah. didn't they? Um, it's just that these, the, the impression that I got sort of doing that, and maybe one that hasn't been one at, at Essex since, is that there was a lot of backlash from fans and supporters that sort of thought, these guys earn plenty of money. Why do they need a benefit? But they're, they're kind of missing the point. That I, it's not going to their retirement I can fund. see it from the top internationals. You know, if you've seen top internationals that have played all over the world... But, you know, for someone like Aaron, if you, if you never played, went on and never played international cricket and only played for Essex, I could understand the need for a benefit season and that would be the right thing to do. Um, for, for those players, that, you know, who are just... I guess the, the most obvious one coming up might be Nick Brown as such. You know, he's, he's been a great Essex clubman and he, he yeah. someone like that, would deserve a benefit. To, to mention benefit. Um, Phil Jones, was, I don't know if you saw the story, I could just go off cricket quickly. Phil Jones was offered a testimonial by Man U next season. He said, no, only my mum and dad would turn up to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, a lot of professional fo- professional athletes also necessarily don't want the... No, no, no. The, the, the other I know side that, of it as well. I know that at Essex, since 2015, I think players have been approached about having a, uh, a benefit year, but have said... No, thank you. Um, yeah. 
I, I, I just think it's interesting. I, I had the impression that this was kind of like something that was dying out, so I'm quite interested to see. I think we'll see less of them, but I think you'll see them for the professionals that have deserved them, who maybe didn't go and play international or haven't played around the world, who have been sort of the one club player, and they, they're the people that do deserve them. Now, um, we discussed this last week, and um, I've put it on our Facebook page, but we're trying to build our social media reach. So. We're currently at about 550 likes for the Facebook page for 98. Thanks, now. everyone who likes us. I did give him a big push this week, actually. Yeah, and I think we have had a, a, a steady stream of new uh, new people. So to remind everyone, we have got a signed and framed England shirt. When we get up to 1,000, every single person of that 1,000 that has liked the Facebook page... Apart from Paul Webb, unfortunately, because Aaron's already <laughs> said he'll win it, so he can't win it. So 999 yeah. names are going in the hat. Webber, you've got enough English shirts hanging up <laughs> in your house anyway. Um, all 1,000 at that point will go into a draw, and we'll do it live on the air. Um, and the quicker you all tell your friends and colleagues... And, and invite um, them along, it'd be good. And Nick Brown, um, to like the Facebook page. We get up to 1,000, we will have a live draw, and the winner... We'll win. We'll have a really massive hat on the table. It'll be good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get Don in in his really short shorts to make God, the draw. Just to, no. I'm just not going to be uh, here that night then. <laughs> not me, me neither. We might pre-record that. Just leave Don in the studio on his own. <laughs> He'd love that. Oh, God. Can you imagine Don on the microphone and no one else to tell him to shut up? It'd be oh. great, wouldn't it? It'd be great. Do you know um, where he is at the moment? No. It's... Well, I'm not supposed to tell anyone. But you know he's been moaning and moaning and moaning like he always does. He's in Antigua, sunning those legs. So Antigua. I feel sorry for the Antigua and, and those <laughs> shorts, shorts that are coming out yet again. Uh, what can we say? We are just about done for time yet again. It flies by every week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Just to remind everyone to play straight, play great from everyone here at night. Thanks, United. Debbie. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Thank Have a great you. week, everyone. 98 Not Out, sponsored by Shepherd Neen. Proud supporters of cricket in Essex.